0: Um, Well, let's pray. That's probably a good place to start, yeah? All right. Father, we just come before you today, and Lord, we surrender our hearts before you. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to speak to us, Lord Jesus, and that you would develop something in us today that's fresh and new and freeing, life-breathing, grace-filled, Lord, that we can take out of here today that's going to shape our tomorrows for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen? Amen. Amen. All right. How many of you know what a trust fall exercise is? Know what a trust fall exercise is? So it's, it's when you climb up on top of something usually higher than the ground, and some of these things are like chairs, some are buildings, and you you fall backwards into the arms of six or eight, depending on how tall you are, people, maybe four, uh, <laughs> People who are going to catch you. And what's really funny is if you get on YouTube and you look Trust Fall exercises up, the majority of these videos are youth pastors falling into the arms of children who most of the time are teenagers, who most of the time cannot even be trusted to put on deodorant on their own. But yet said 200-pound youth pastor climbs up on top of several chairs stacked about yay high and falls into the arms of six or eight 70-pound girls and one 150-pound boy. How many of you know that it's important, it's just as important to know what your faith is in as it is to have faith. Right? They're equally important. If I have faith that I'm a car and I go in my garage and make car noises, it doesn't make me a Model T. Right? I mean, what I put my faith in is equally as important. Anyway, I found some cool Trust Fall videos I thought you should take a look at for your viewing pleasure. Take a look. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's got to leave a mark.
0: two. two. Oh! Oh! Ready? Ready! Falling! Ready, ready, ready. Ready? Ready? Ready. 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 Falling! Oh. <laughs> right. Youth pastor. Some people's parents... light oh man sheesh some of those are just painful to watch i don't i don't i don't understand the kid on the balcony jumping into i i, I don't know where that even came from yeah anyway uh hebrews ten thirty one says this it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living god it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living god well hey we're gonna do a trust exercise this morning together how many of you guys are ready I'm going to need some volunteers. I need somebody who's going to come up here and stand on this chair. Who's brave today? All right, listen. The Holy Spirit is here today. The Holy Spirit is here today, and he is going to catch you. He's going to stand right here. I'm telling you, it's the Lord. He's going to catch you this morning. I need a volunteer for the chair. Not a lot of hands. I see a couple of teenagers who are like, man, I'll do anything. Who's got candy? You going to give me some candy if I do? Alright, thank you very much We will consider your volunteering today As an act of faith But here's the thing That's what trusting the Lord feels like sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, that's what trusting God feels like sometimes It, it feels like when we put ourselves out there when we, when we pray, we take the time to seek the Lord about something And I'm not just talking about, God, give me a good parking spot Right? I'm not talking about stuff like that. I'm talking about when you put yourself out there right, by means of prayer or obedience because you're asking the Lord about something. God, I need your help. I'm putting myself out there. Or people are watching. Lord, I'm praying for healing. Or I'm praying for the miraculous in some way. Whether it be, be for a healing or for provision. Maybe for a job you've been, you've been hoping for and praying for for a while. Maybe it's believing for the salvation of somebody you've been praying for. Maybe it's putting yourself out there before the Lord on behalf of your marriage. On behalf of a spouse. On behalf of, on behalf of your kids. We put ourselves out there. Or, or, for example, in the area of obedience. right? When we know what God wants us to do. But everything in us is saying, you know what? That just doesn't seem like that'll work out. Or people are watching me. If I do that, then they're going to think I'm not part of, part of what's going on. That I'm just not cool anymore. Right? We put ourselves out there, and sometimes it can feel like this trust, trust exercise, that we're falling into the hands of God. Listen, as we walk with God long enough... Sooner or later, we're going to discover something about God. We're going to discover that he is the master of the last-minute power move. Everybody say it with me. Power move. Power. How many of you know what a power move is? Power moves are, are you see these on, on superhero movies, right? It's where the little guy joins forces with the big guy at the last minute to defeat the enemy, Right? It'd be, for example, a real life example would be if I had a baseball and, and I'm the little guy and I toss the thing up and Ichiro, or I, is he even alive still? I don't I even know. I mean, who, who even does the That's the only baseball name I know. It's terrible. So, so, so we'll go with Ichiro just for the sake of I don't know anything about baseball. I throw the ball up, Ichiro comes in and, and he smacks that thing and it's, it's well, he'd hit a wall. Or a window in here. But if we were outside on a field and it, it went over into the... Are they even called bleachers at baseball? Are they bleachers are right, bleachers. Into the bleachers and, and win the game. I don't know why they would even let me in the game to begin with. but This guy doesn't even know baseball. But anyway, that's what a power move is. We see it on, on, on the, the latest DC Marvel comic movie, right? Batman versus Superman. I hate to tell you, Batman is the little guy right batman he's got his he's got his outfit and he's got some cool toys right but superman he's got the power right and they join forces and they and they with wonder woman not just crediting wonder woman and and they defeat the bad guy right power move god is the master of the last minute save the day power move right god has a habit not a habit intentionally god shows up to save the day, last minute, always. We can see it throughout the entirety of Scripture. And we can see it throughout the entirety of our personal lives. Where God shows up, last minute, to save the day. We can see it in, in the example of Moses. right? Moses and the Israelites leave Egypt, and they're waiting by the, 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 the Red Sea. right? The Sea of Aquabah. They're waiting right at the edge of it. And all these troops, thousands of them, converge on Moses. And they're going, We're gonna die. We're just all gonna die. And then what's God do? Parts the water, right? I mean, who would have thought? God parted the water and they went across on dry land, the Bible says. Last minute power move. Right? We 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 can talk about Jesus and the storm that he calmed, right? Jesus didn't calm the storm when the boat was still on the edge of the edge of the shore. The boat got out into the middle of this storm. The boat got out into the middle of the sea, and the storm came, and they went to Jesus. Jesus, what what are we gonna do? And Jesus calmed the storm. Last minute power move. Jesus himself going to the cross. Man, the devil thought he had Jesus, the Messiah, absolutely beat. Here he is, gonna be put to death on a cross. He's crucified. He's dead. There's no pulse. And all of hell had a party. Jesus rose from the dead. Last minute power move, baby. Woo! Right? He rose from the dead. He proved he was the son of the living God. And he saved us all. Last minute power move. See, there, there comes a problem, though, when, when what happens is, Jesus is, is the king of the last-minute power move, but for a lot of us, we don't expect that he's going to do that sometimes. And what happens is God's developing something in us through that process as we learn to trust him through waiting on him through the storm to get to the answer, right? As we're, we have to practice waiting on him, he's developing something in us that when we get to the place where, where we can be comfortable with God showing up last minute, we'll be able to go through the storm with a smile on our face and joy in our hearts, and people around you will see, why are you able to shoulder this the way that you are? That looks impossible. And in your heart, you're truly able to say, because I know Jesus has got it. I know he's got it. You just wait right around the corner. It's going to get really crazy, and then you're going to see something miraculous, right? Because people are watching, right? God is developing a patience in us, but the problem is that we run the risk at some point Of If we cut the process short and we take matters into our own hands, we run run the risk of of short-circuiting what the Lord would want to do by way of developing our faith, building our trust in Him when we take matters into our own hands. There comes a point where if we do that enough, that we get to the place where we feel like God didn't pull through for me. God didn't show up when I needed Him to. So, now I trust God this much, right? I, don't, I, don't, I, I can't trust Him like this anymore. Lord, I, I, I trust Him mostly. I trust Him mostly. I had a, a time like that in my life back in, before I even began ministry. We were at a, a youth rally. I've probably told you this a hundred times. You'll probably hear it a hundred more times. This is a pivotal moment in my faith that... I was at a youth rally and the Lord told me to, to go and pray for this girl who could not hear. She was born deaf. We we're at a youth rally with probably four or five hundred kids worshiping and praising in, the, in this room. Worship band is playing. So in obedience, I went to this, this, this girl who was my age and, and said, uh, can I pray for you to be healed? And she says, yes. And I was like, that's a good start. <laughs> so I, I put my hands on this girl's ears with her permission and began to pray and within two minutes 400 people were around us praying it was intense we prayed for a while until my knees were tired and her legs were shaky and i and i said can can you hear anything and she said no so we kept praying for maybe another five or ten minutes till we both couldn't stand hardly and i said can you hear anything she said no she could read lips really well good thing <laughs> and we got done. We were finished. We couldn't stand anymore. So everybody went back to praising and, and praying and worshiping the Lord. She went back to her thing. and, and, and That wasn't it for me, man. I was ticked. I, I went upstairs and found a room, and I, I had it out with God. I mean, you probably could hear me yelling and screaming down in the room down below. Because I was, I was upset. Lord, you didn't back me up. You told me to do this thing. And I was obedient, and you didn't back me up. And the Lord reminded me that your job is to be obedient, My job is to be God. My problem was I had a higher view of myself than I should have. I'm a simple servant doing simple servant's work to go and be obedient to what the Lord told me to do. But I somehow thought that maybe I was some kind of spiritual superhero that if God told me to do something, now I had magic powers to go down and heal somebody. You know what I had? Nothing. I had a pocket full of lint. That was it, man. But I wrestled with that for years until God finally brought me to the place of recognizing, Seth, I love you. You're dirt. You're, you're clay. What? I mean, it was, it was like a, a, a pivotal moment, right? So what I want to do today is answer with you today. What do we do when we find our, ourselves in a place of distrusting God? What do we do when we find ourselves in a place where we don't have trust in the Lord? And sometimes it's a process to get there. When, when we find ourselves in a place where it's easier to trust in ourselves and in our own abilities, where we think we know more than God or we know better than God, what do we do? How do we get back to a place of faith and trust? So today we're going to take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 13. We're going to spend some time looking at uh, King Saul and some things we can learn from him taking matters into his own hands. So if you've got your Bible and you want to turn there, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13. I imagine this was probably one of the longest, darkest, coldest nights Saul had ever experienced. This was the sixth day of what was about to become a, a serious, serious war. See, Saul had gone and he'd, he'd mustered himself some troops over, over the, a period of time. He had developed an elite force, right? An elite force of people, of, of military. I mean, these guys were like the, the, the Navy SEALs, man. Like, he got like 3,000 of them. He kept 2,000 with him, and he sent 1,000 with his son, Jonathan, who was the, the commander of his army. Well, they were going to go out and fight against the Philistines, Jonathan got itchy. Man, we're going to go whoop some Philistines. So he went out and he, he, he started a battle with the Philistines. Right? Well, the Philistines got word of this and were like, hey, uh, no, nah, that's not how it goes. So they went and mustered 60,000 troops. 60,000 troops. The Israelites hardly had weapons worth anything. They weren't even sharp. Well, the Philistines had chariots they had bows and arrows spears they had they had the works and they uh they went out there and and surrounded the israelites let's let's read it together let's read it together let's see it's going to pop up here in just a second this is uh, chapter 13 verse 1 it says saul was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned for 42 years saul selected three thousand special troops from the armies of israel and sent the rest of the men home right Something sounds arrogant to me about that. He took 2,000 of the chosen men with him to Mishmash and the hill country of Bethel. The other 1,000 went with Saul's son Jonathan to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, But Samuel still didn't come. So here's what happened. Samuel, God's prophet and priest, tells Saul, I will meet you in Gilgal, and I'm going to come and I'm going to sacrifice to the Lord, and then we're going to hear something profound from God about the victory he's going to give Israel. So, So what happens is, Jonathan attacks the Philistines. The Philistines catch wind of it. They begin to surround Saul in his location, and it hasn't been—it hasn't been seven days yet, right? And so, what happens is, let, let's let's read it right here. It says in verse six, when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, from the uh, for the people were distressed. Then the people hid in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in holes and in pits, and some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad in Gilead. Some of the special elite forces said, Hey, man, we're getting back over the Jordan, man. We don't care about God's promised land. We're gone. Those Philistines are serious, right? So they split. The rest of all but 600 of his army went and hid in the bushes. They hid in caves. They hid in cracks in the ground. They hid everywhere they could to get away. And so Saul decides, well, what are we going to do? And so he, he made the decision to take matters into his own hands. He decided, I'm going to sacrifice for myself. So he called the, 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 called some folks and said, hey, man, bring, bring the sacrifice. I'm going to take care of this. And so he did it on his own. It says in, uh, in verse 8, and then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and a peace offering here to me. And the Lord offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. On the seventh day. Last minute power move. Right? God showed up last minute. Let's keep reading. In in verse 12 it says, Then I said, the Philistines will come down on me at Gilgal, And so I made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. See, they won the battle. Did you know that? They won the battle. Saul showed up, or Samuel showed up, and Saul had gone out to battle, and it was an absolute miraculous fight. 600 people with Saul, and somewhere around 1,000 still left with Jonathan because of Jonathan's faith. He had gone into an area and and made a move that was absolutely faith-filled and drove the Philistines back. The Philistines heard about it and took off running. Right? They won the battle, the Israelites did, because of because of somebody else else stepping into faith they won the battle but at what cost see saul took matters into his own hands and the reality is that because he did that it cost him his legacy he won the battle but it cost him his kingship he won the battle but it cost him something dear god said i would have established your throne forever that tells me that God would have used Saul to, become, to be the lineage of the Messiah. He threw it out the window because he took matters into his own hands. Acting in distrust, acting out of faith in himself, disqualified Saul. Listen, church, our stuff might work out if we take matters into our own hands. I've heard people say, well, when we take matters into our own hands, it never works out. That's not true. That's why we do it, right? Because a lot of the time when we put our trust in ourselves, we may be able to make it work. I'll tell you, you might be able to make it work, but at what cost? When we take matters into our own hands, when we take our faith and we put it in ourselves instead of putting our trust in the living God who wants to bless you and minister to your future, When we put our trust in ourselves, we're robbing ourselves of the miraculous thing that God would want to do, not only in your current situation, but in your tomorrows, to provide a legacy and a destiny for you and a hope for you that will absolutely blow you away and also the people around you. Last minute power move. God wants to come in and he wants to do something grand. But here's the thing, if God blesses disobedience, it reinforces disobedience. Right? If God blesses disobedience, it reinforces that. If God blesses us trusting in ourselves, it reinforces, again, us trusting in ourselves. And like I said, it may work a little bit. But what happens when it doesn't? What happens when we begin to be robbed so much that, we, that we're left with nothing of the direction and the hope and the best that God has for you. God has so many amazing things in store for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless your obedience. Absolutely is waiting to bless your obedience. When we put our trust in him, he is waiting and ready to bless it. But let's look at, let's look at what um, some things, three things that caused Saul to get off track. Let's look at a couple of those. The first one is in chapter 13, verse 11. He says, I saw. I saw that all of my special forces troops, man, they were scattered. They were taken off and hiding in the bushes and in the trees and in caves and getting out of the promised land and every other place they could go. I saw, he says, See, his eyes were on the problem. They weren't on God. The Bible tells us, Paul said, that we're to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Right? We're to keep our eyes on Jesus, not on our problems. It's so hard to do that, but we have to develop that. We have to develop a nature, a culture within ourselves of when things hit the fan, where's the first place I go? My attention's on Jesus. Jesus. Right? He's the author of your faith. He knows it from start to finish. He wrote it. He wrote it out. He knows you from start to finish. He has got you tucked in a, in a perfectly safe place where he's not going to let you stumble. Don't wiggle out. Right? He's got you tucked away. Don't wiggle out. Right? But listen to the rest of that verse. He's the author and the what? Finisher. The finisher. Last minute power move. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Right? That means as we go through it, when it gets to the place it's ready to be finished, he goes, oh, it's done. Flip. Right. He is ready to come in at the last minute as we continue to put our trust in him. And we stay tucked right there, and we keep our eyes on him. Lord, I don't know what you're going to do here, Lord, but it's going to be something great because I'm terrified. My boat's about to go down. Jesus, what do I do? I'm going to keep holding on, Lord. I'm not hearing you but I'm going to trust you're behind the scenes doing something because he is. And then finish. There it is. What's the next thing? It says in verse 12, he says, I felt compelled. I didn't see the people. I saw everybody running away. And Samuel, well, you weren't here. You were gone, man. So I felt compelled to take matters into my own hands. Essentially what he says was, I knew what God wanted me to do, but my feelings told me otherwise. That ever happened to you? Happens to me all the time, man. Right? Where my feelings are compelling me to do something. Right? I feel like I should obey the Lord. I feel like I should pray about something, but my feelings tell me something completely different. We can look at the next one. It says in in, uh, chapter 15, verse 24, he did something else. A couple pages later, let's take a look. See, Saul. Had one foot out the door with God right now. Here's the thing. God told him, I'm going to find a man after my own heart, own heart, but he didn't say it's going to be tomorrow. He was giving Saul time. Did you know that? He was giving Saul time to develop a trust in him. So what ends up happening is here he is. He's, he's, he tells Saul, all right, I'm going to give you another shot. The Amalekites, man, we're going to go wipe them out. The Amalekites, have, have when, they, when, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, the Amalekites messed with them. It was a while back, but I don't forget. <laughs> so now we're going to take care of it. How many of you know the Bible says that you don't need to worry about if something's messing with you, if the enemy's messing with you, right? The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay Man, God loves you, and like a loving father with, a, with his little daughter is keeping track of, of any bullies in town. He's, he's keeping an eye on them, and he doesn't forget, right? If somebody messes with my little girl, I don't forget. God is the same way. He does not forget, and he says, vengeance is mine. And so here's, what, here's where we see that play out, right? The Amalekites, God says, go and wipe them out. I mean, wipe them flat. And so he sends them out, and he, he goes out, and Samuel after the battle's done, Samuel comes to Saul and says, Hey, man, how's it going? And Samuel says, Things are fantastic. I went and did exactly what God said. Samuel says, If you did, why do I hear the bleeding of sheep and donkeys? And why is there a king standing over there? And, and Samuel sa- or Saul says, Well, I, I figured God would want me to come back and sacrifice this stuff. Right? But that's not what God said to do. He says, I felt compelled to begin with. And he says, I feared the people. Let's let's take a look at where it says that here. This is what Saul says in verse 22, or Samuel says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity, as the iniquity of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also rejects you from being king. And then Saul humbles himself at this point, and he says this. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and his words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Oh, man. Saul cared more about what people thought about him than obeying what God told him to do. Man, It's so easy to fall into that, isn't it? Where we know people are watching the things we're praying about. We know people are watching when when we choose or don't choose to obey what we know we need to do. The Bible says that God's law is written on the hearts of every man. It's in there. And when we choose to, to, to do that, Man, it's, we're taking a risk, aren't we? God loves us and he wants his best for you. He wants to absolutely bless you. And here's the thing. God's not going to replace you with somebody after his own heart. Did you know that? When we, when we wrestle with whether or not to put our trust in him, God is not going to replace you with somebody who's after his own heart. By the grace of Jesus and the cross, he is developing a heart within us that is after his own heart. Because he knows we struggle and we wrestle with this stuff, and he wants to bring us to this place of trust in him. So I want to give you, real quickly, six. Let's talk about, real quick, the man after God's own heart. God eventually replaces Saul, right? He replaces Saul after this point with a man after his own heart. And so I want, to, I want us to take a look at Psalm chapter 40 and read about what does the man after God's own heart have to say. This is Psalm chapter 40. And here's an interesting part that goes right along with what, with what Samuel says to Saul. In, in verse 6 he says, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire. See, this is something that God put on David's heart that he wasn't even standing around when Saul when when Samuel told Saul this sacrifice and offering you do not desire my ears you have opened burnt offering and sin offering you do not require doesn't that sound familiar about God wanting relationship with people so i want us to take a look if we if we look at psalm chapter 40 verse 1 through 8 we can actually reverse engineer this and see what david says about how to get back to a place of trusting in the Lord. And so we're going to fly through them real fast. Alec, if you're around, would, would you mind? The first one, in, in uh, verse 8, it says, In your scroll, in your book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. And your, and your law is within my heart. The first step to getting back to a place of trusting in the Lord is knowing your identity. Is your name written in the book? Right? The Bible tells us in Revelation 21 that God someday will judge everyone. That all of us will stand before the living God. And the Bible paints a wonderful picture, prophetically, of God with three books. Two of them are the names of everyone that's ever been. And he compares the names of this, these two books to one book. The Bible calls it the Lamb's Book of Life. It's the names of everyone who has surrendered their will to his. And said, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I recognize that I can't accomplish my own salvation on my own. I can't do anything without you. Will you forgive me for falling short of your glorious standard? Will you make me right in your sight by the work of the cross? Signed. David knew his name was there. Is your name there? Step two, he says, behold, I come in verse seven. Behold, I come. The next step in getting ourselves in a position of trusting in the Lord again is when we walk away from the Lord, when we decide to take matters into our own hands and the Holy Spirit says, trust me, trust me, and we say, no, no and we run from the Lord we'll we'll still go to church we may still come and worship God because we love God we just don't trust Him right we can become religious we can go through the motions of Christianity but God says to you come back to me face to face I want to meet with you face to face I love you Don't run from me. Trust me. Remember, I'm ready. Understand my character. Last minute, I'm going to save your day because I'm developing trust in you. I'm developing a firm foundation in you. He says, behold, I come. Come back to a relationship with Jesus. The third one, it says in verse 3, or I'm sorry, verse 5, Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. The next thing is we've got to remember the great things God has done. Remember the times God's been faithful. The Bible says that faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we spend time in God's word and we begin to reflect on the times where God consistently pulls off the last minute power move, we can look and say, God's faithful. He was faithful every time then we can, we can talk with other believers we go to church with and find out where was God faithful in their lives. If you need some people to talk to, talk to me. I'll point you to some. There are some people in here that God has done some amazing things in their life and they remember them and they have stories to tell about it. we got to remember where God has been faithful. The next one. Number four, this is a difficult one. Verse four says, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud. See, this is where Saul fell short, right? Being so concerned about what other other people thought more than what God thought. We've got to come to the place where we stop caring about what other people think about our walk with Jesus, right? And we've got to start living for him. We've got to start living for him. And when that happens, it brings us to this next place. He says, in verse 3, he has put a new song in my mouth and praise to our God. Many will see it and be in awe and will trust in the Lord. See, when we stop caring about what people think about us, and we start putting our trust in Jesus full speed ahead, and we remember what he's done, and we know that we can go face to face with him, and we know that our name is written in that book, he's going to put a new song in your heart. He's going to put a new song in your heart, and it's going to come out. The Bible says that that the outward expression of a work of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, would be that we'd be singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs making melody in our heart. Right? It just comes out because the Lord is at work, and he's filling us with the Spirit. When that happens, it brings us to this next place where David says in verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined his ear to me. He heard my cry, and he brought me out of a horrible pit. And out of the miry clay, last minute power move. Right? He was in the pit. God didn't save him before he got in the pit. God didn't save him before he was waist deep in the miry clay. Last minute power move. That's right. Last minute power move. Where is the Lord directing you? Where has He said, Wait on me? Where have we taken matters into our own hands and this morning recognize, Lord, I want to put this back in your trust. Could we get the lights down? We're going to spend a few minutes this morning allowing the Holy Spirit to minister because I believe today that, that there are some here today who have come here knowing that there's something in their lives where you've said, you know what, God, I trust you this far. Lord, I want to trust you open-handedly, but Lord, I, I'm, I'm afraid And the Lord wants to free you of that today. The Lord wants you to leave here today because He loves you so dearly and intensely. He wants you to have a trust in Him to know that don't be afraid, my child. I'm going to take care of it. I'm developing something in you along the way. Don't short-circuit it because you're going to be blessed when you get to the end. I've asked Eric to come up and lead us this, this morning. And so... Let's just close our eyes up today and let's just get before the Lord. And we talked about six steps to getting back to a place of trust in the Lord. And so somewhere along this path, you may be. It may be at number one where you're completely trusting in God and and running full speed, full speed ahead. It may be at the place where you are saying, My name's not in that book. The Bible says if anyone calls on the name of Jesus, they will be saved if anyone calls on the name of Jesus when your heart gets to the place where you recognize in faith God I can't do it on my own I need you help when your heart gets to that place and you call out on the Lord your name is written the Bible says nothing can snatch you from God's hand nothing. Our feelings may tell us otherwise, but you need to know today that you're, you're, you're secure in the hands of a loving Father. Maybe today you need to come. That's what we're going to take the opportunity to do now, as Eric leads us, to come. So I want to encourage you today As as Eric leads us to worship and to praise and to come back to that place of, of, Lord, I'm coming before you. Lord, I'm going to put my trust in you. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray over you right now. Jesus, I pray right now that supernaturally you would bring us to a place of absolute trust in you. If you want that today, would you just lift your hands up to the Lord, eyes closed, responding to the Holy Spirit right now. Lord, for every hand that's lifted in here, Jesus, I pray right now, supernatural faith. Your word tells us that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, a spiritual gift, is a gift of faith. And Lord, I pray right now for those who view themselves as the least faith-filled and faithful, I pray right now for a spiritual gift to fall on them of faith. Lord, faith that would see them through and see others through every storm that will come. In the name of Jesus. I pray that would fall in the name of Jesus.